At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to his followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as he marks out the way of discipleship for us. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. We're in a series called The Follower's Trail Guide. Here's the thing. I think we don't always stop and celebrate at all. I don't think we do. I think we struggle with that whole thing of celebration, especially in Michigan. You know what we do? We hit that big goal of whatever it was, and we look and we go, oh, that was kind of cute. That was nice. What's our next goal? Like back to work, back to business. I think that's kind of how we approach things sometimes. And so this follower trail guide series is all about how we go through life. And life is kind of like that hiking trail, right? You're going to the left, you're going to the right, you're just weaving your way through. But inevitably, there's a spot where you've got a decision to make. And you look and the trail goes to the right and to the left and up and down and forward and backward. And you're like, I don't, I don't even know what to do right now in life. I don't know what my next step should be. That's what this series is about. This series is about that night where Jesus sat down with the disciples at the Last Supper. It's known as the Farewell Discourse where he's teaching the disciples. And then thus teaching us what it is to follow him. What it is to be his disciples. You know the week before... So this would have been Thursday night. So if I go back, Jesus had the triumphal entry, right, where he entered into Jerusalem that very next day, which would have been Monday. So the Last Supper's on Thursday. This would have been Monday. Scripture tells in Mark how Jesus was walking up the hill, and as he's walking up the hill, he sees this fig tree. He goes over and he looks at the fig tree. What do you think he's looking for? He's looking for fruit. That's what you look for in a fig tree. You look for fruit, just like it's apple cider season. And so when we go look at the apple tree, we're looking for apples. That's what you do with an apple tree. Well, he's out of fig tree, so he's looking for figs. But when he looks for the figs, there's no figs. And so scripture says that Jesus curses that tree because it doesn't have any fruit. It's not really about figs, is it? It's really not. It's not about figs. You see, later on, Jesus enters into the temple when he enters into the temple church, he goes expecting to find fruit. He's expecting to find spiritual fruit, but when he walks in, he finds the opposite. It's a disgusting scene. People are being taken uh, advantage of. There's manipulation going on. The money changers are there, and so there is a judgment then. Again, so then he cleans the temple, totally runs them out of the temple. That brings us to our big idea today on this 10-year celebration that being a Woodside campus, disciples of Jesus produce fruitful lives. Church, we are to produce fruitful lives. Our mission as a church is to help people belong to Christ and grow in Christ and reach the world for Christ. Do you hear that? And that means like we're not fulfilling our mission if you're not producing fruit. If you don't produce fruit in your life, then we're not accomplishing the very mission that we believe that God has called us to. So how do you do that? How do you produce fruit in your life? We're just going very quickly. We're going to look at two things. First is you got to recognize your purpose. So John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He's teaching the disciples on that night of the Last Supper. And he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Church, this fires me up. 
This fires me up a lot because this is Jesus saying, I want to be crystal clear on who I am and who the Father is because that's going to inform how you're supposed to respond to life and your role in my story. And what he says is he says, I am. There's all these I am statements all throughout the book of John. He says, I am the true vine. Man, this imagery would have been rich for the disciples. I mean, first it would have taken them back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament books of Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I mean, we could go on and on and on. You see this constant reference to, to the Lord being the vine and the branches being Israel all throughout God's story. I just want you to consider this. God doesn't need us. He speaks the universe into existence. He doesn't need us. And yet, his mission from the very beginning is said, I want to use my people to spread my glory to the whole earth. Isn't that awesome? I mean, go back to Adam and Eve. What do you tell him? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Go to Noah three times, the same thing. Go to Abram. Your descendants are out going to number the stars in the sky. You're going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Look at Israel itself. With Israel itself, they were rescued. They were formed into a nation to be a light to the nations, a salvation that may reach the ends of the earth. And yet Jesus is here during this night of the Last Supper, and he's basically bringing a judgment now against Israel, saying they haven't done that. They haven't done that. That's, that's why I'm here. And he's talking to the disciples. And he says, because you're going to stay connected to me, because you're going to stay connected to the true vine, you now are going to carry that mission of my glory to the very ends of the earth, to all peoples. That's what you're going to do. And then he talks about the father being the vine dresser, the one who does all the pruning. So imagine how the disciples would have been hearing this. You see, Jesus would give illustrations of the mountains because he was walking next to mountains. He would, give, he would give illustrations of farming because they're walking right through the middle of a field. He would give illustrations of the sea because they're standing next to the sea or he might be walking on it. Who knows, you know, but he would give all these illustrations. And so here he's given the illustration of a vineyard. Now in Michigan, we get it, don't we? We get vineyards. We know what vineyards look like. And so next week, if you took a trip with your family and you head to the vineyards, what are you expecting to see? Fruit. Right? Fruit just hanging off the vine. You know what you don't want to see? A bunch of dead, brown, broken-looking branches. That's not what you don't want to see. Because that's not what that vineyard's for. It could happen. I mean, it could be a, just, a, just a dying, decaying-looking vineyard. But that's not what you hope for. And just like here in a couple months, y'all, the snow's going to come. It is. We're in Michigan. The snow will come. And you're going to drive past that baseball field. And when you drive past that baseball field, there should be something in your stomach that says, yeah, that's not what the baseball field's for. No, it's for summer, isn't it? That grass being cut, that crack of the bat in the air, that's what that baseball field's for, not to be covered in snow. And so Jesus is saying, the vine is me, and you are the branches, and you're supposed to remain connected to me. And when you do, there is life, because if there's no life, that needs cut off and thrown away. Even when there is life, the Lord's going to prune. God's going to prune, because then you're going to bear much fruit. This is the calling that you have on your life. It's the calling I have in my life. We, church, are to bear fruit. Do you know what happens, though? Maybe it's just me. Maybe you never do this. But I think sometimes we compare a little bit. I think we do. And I think we watch that video of Steve. And some of you are like, yeah, I mean, Steve is just so, except for the birthday thing, he's so intentional. Right? He's so intentional. He, he, he just kind of strips everything away. And he, he just, he's so smart. Right? He's got, I don't know that I've got all that. And then... 
Bob, when he got up and, and spoke, some of you are sitting there listening, going, okay, 10 years ago, you, 11 years ago, you had this dream, you had this vision. How is that? Things were already going well, but you were like, we can go further, faster if this happens. Like, how would you even see that? I don't know that I have that gift. I don't know that I have that skill set. I don't know that I have those talents. And so we start to compare ourselves against everyone. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, hey, branches, go looking at all the other branches because that should dictate your mission. He didn't say that. He said, stay connected to me because I am the vine and this is going to be the life source and this is going to be the breath and this is going to be the air and this is going to be where the fruit comes from. It's going to come from you staying connected to me. That, that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. That's where the fruit in your life is going to come from. This should be the most freeing thing in the world to you because it really goes back to just being connected to Jesus. It's our last point. In fact, our last point is that we remain in Jesus. Look at verse 4. He says, abide me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So it's kind of nice when Jesus gives a clear command. You know, because sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, ah, does this mean this? Does this mean this? I'm ever trying to sort through it. And what do those other smart people say it means? But that's not the case here. Jesus is crystal clear. He says, abide in me. Stay, remain, like remain connected to me. Stay in me. That's where you should be. You need to abide in me. This is where the fruit is going to come from. It's when you abide in me. Verse number three, he tells the disciples they had already been clean because he spoke to them. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you now are connected with the Lord. When you place your faith, not in what you can do, but what Jesus has done in the cross, you now are resting in and connected to the Lord. But the fruit comes because of the way that you abide in him. How do you do that, though? Like, how does one abide in him? Well, it's going to be through the word and prayer. Look at verse 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, you see, the way that an individual, a Christian, abides in Jesus is the same way a church does. 1846 to now, this church has been ongoing. And there's been world wars. There's been depressions. There's been a war against our nation, against itself. There's been presidents assassinated. There's been tornadoes hit the church. And yet the church continues. How is that? Because we remain connected to him in word and prayer. On Thursday nights, our women are going to gather for Bible study. On Thursday mornings, our women will gather for Bible study. They're going to be in the word. On Wednesday nights, every single room of this church is used for student ministry. Every room to continue to equip students in the word. On Tuesday nights, our men are going to gather. Men will be in the word all throughout the week. We're going to have families gathered together in life groups, studying and, and praying together. After this service, we'll have individuals right here. They're going to be right here in this area. They're here waiting for you every single service. They're here. It's our prayer team. They want to carry your burdens with you. They want to take them to the Lord with you. Just to say, you don't have to do this alone. You've got a big medical decision. Let me just pray wisdom and discernment over you. You're stressed about something, man. Matthew 6 says we shouldn't be worried and stressed. Let me pray over you. 
You're celebrating something awesome has happened. Let me pray prayers of celebration over you. Just know every service, they're right here ready to serve you. So from 1846 to now, this has not changed. We remain connected to abiding in the Lord through the word and through prayer. Now, I think I've shared this story with you before, but back in high school, I graduated from a, a town called Inola, Inola, Oklahoma. And so we were on the bus and we were going to the next town over for a football game. And um, the next town over was, is actually a couple towns over, was Vanita. Now, Vanita, they had like Walmart and they had McDonald's. They were way bigger than us. We had a blinky red light and we had Longhorn Cafe. That's all we had. Like that was it. My graduating class was like 50 people. That was the whole thing. And so anyway, we're probably, I don't remember the score of the game. We were probably going to get whooped, y'all. Like that's probably what was going to happen because they were big. Like they were big time with Walmart, McDonald's. And so we're on the bus and I'm just excited to be on the bus. Like, cause I'm like, man, all these guys, they're all older than me. You know, I'm just kind of the young guy here. I mean, I'm like, I'm so excited, right? And we're just riding in where it gets to me. Hey, Billy, you're going to start tonight. Whew, all right. You know, you ever had that feeling of like, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed. I don't know if I'm ready for this or not, but we're going to give this a go. Like, let's do it. And so I get there and I get my bag into the locker room, which is always a bad locker room when you're the guest. Anyway, so I'm taking this stuff and I've got this rhythm. If you've ever done any artsy things or any sporty things, you're probably very systematic in how you do it, right? And so I was. And so I would set up my helmet and I set up my shoulder pads and I set up my shoes and I'm looking at my bag like I'm, I'm missing something here. My helmet, shoulder pads, I'm wearing my jersey, got my, where's, where's my pants? <laughs> I started asking guys around me, hey, did you, did you grab my pants? Did you grab, I, don't, I ain't got my pants, I ain't got my football britches. I need some football britches if I'm going to play football. Like, and so I had to go tell my coach, hey coach, I forgot my pants. <laughs> and uh, just in case you're trying to fast forward in the story and be like, and someone rescued Billy and gave him their pants. No, they didn't. They did not give me their pants. That did not happen. So that means that game, I had to stand over there on the side way away from coach, and I had to watch the game because I didn't do the most basic foundational thing that was needed to be part of the team. I wasn't abiding in the team because I wasn't prepared. I didn't do the most basic of things. See, Jesus is teaching the most basic thing you can do to abide in him is to trust him by studying his word and spending time in prayer. This is the most basic thing we can do. And he ends with this. Verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Man, I, I know it's simple, but... Jesus loves you. I mean, y'all heard what he said, right? He loves you. In 1846, a group of men and women gathered, and Jesus loved them. And over the decades, century, all those who call First Baptist Romeo home, Jesus loved them. When the name changed to Stone Ridge, Jesus loved them. And for the past 10 years, as part of Woodside Bible Church, Jesus has so loved us well. So faithful, never changing. Doesn't matter how broken we are when we go to him. How slimy the gifts may seem that we lay at his feet. He loves us. 
those who have not yet walked in the doors to call Woodside Romeo home. He loves them. That's why we carry out the mission that we carry out. He loved us first. It's not what we're bringing anything real to the table. We're just being faithful to him. We get to be conduits of his mercy and grace to all those around us. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked a hill. And he looked at a fig tree looking for fruit. And that hasn't changed. Church, he's still looking for fruit. And as cliche as it may sound, I do celebrate everything that's happened over this past decade, but I truly believe the best is yet to come. Because as I look out at the faces and the stories, and I see the men and the women and the teens and the children who call this place home, I absolutely think the best is yet to come. And I want to thank you for being part of this journey. Father, you are so good. And your mercies, they do indeed endure forever. We thank you for the promises that we have. Eternal freedom in Christ Jesus because of the sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we um, Lord, we pray for fruit. That we're faithful and not turning in and only caring about ourselves. Of avoiding that trap of the holy huddle. Lord, let us be so quick to speak about your name and your fame. That's the desire of our hearts. We want to speak about the great things that you have done. So, Lord, as we prepare to head into the mission field today, I just pray that your praise is ever on our lips. And then we never tire. We never, ever tire of speaking of the great love that you have for us. It's in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.